Before we start this episode, I want to give a big shout out to Zipster, local web people who help entrepreneurs and artists make kick-ass websites and get found online. Visit Zipster.com to find out more information. And on to the episode. The North Carolina Dance Festival continues its 22-23 season with two performances in Greensboro. Assembly by Tommy Noonan, October 6th and 7th at Greensboro Project Space, and our main stage performance featuring five professional North Carolina choreographers on October 8th at the Van Dyke Performance Space. Join us to experience dance up close and personal. Tickets and information is at danceproject.org ncdf. Hey, this is Evelyn the Spine, and you're listening to Free Pizza Podcast. Free Pizza, your platform for creatives, and today we have a very, very special guest that we, uh, found a way to fit in kind of last minute yeah. i think you're the first person i've actually talked to today of like hey you're doing this today <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. we have the tommy noonan in here um who is throwing a, an awesome performance this weekend in greensboro uh, called assembly um and you were are you working with the dance project or is this some kind of collaboration yeah um yeah so yeah i'm i'm it's a long story but i'm invited by the dance project by north carolina dance project gotcha awesome awesome and tommy is a director at culture mill (laughs) and a choreographer and performer so we're gonna learn all about him right now and we'll get to the show later on which is happening this weekend and this will actually go up this week so um, it's be perfect. So, yes. Yeah, so, tell us where you were from, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, thanks. Um, I was born in Durham. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm from there, and uh, I moved away from North Carolina when I was uh, 18, was up in the New York area, then out of the country oh. for like eight or nine years. Yeah. Um, and then uh, was working professionally as a choreographer and a performer. Um, mostly um, in Europe, and then with my partner, Muriel Elysion. Um, she and I moved back to North Carolina in 2014. She's from France. Um, wow. And we moved to Saxapaha, and that's where we live now. No way. Yeah. So I guess you want to come back to kind of where your roots were a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were, we were both working as freelance um, choreographers and performers and it was a pretty transient lifestyle we've got a daughter she was about five at the time yeah and we wanted actually our work to um relate more to place and to the place that we lived as opposed to looking as though it was made in the lobby of whatever hotel room so we wanted to like you know like be part of the place yeah yeah absolutely yeah. that's amazing so back up a little bit because i'm gonna get mm. more of your individual story so you're enduring for a little bit then you tr- I guess, did you study throughout mm-hmm. high school, college? Like, how yeah. did we hone in those skills? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, man, I was I was always dancing. I was always uh, doing theater and everything. Went to college, and in upstate New York, I was actually studying English there, and I kind of oh. always thought I was going to do something else. Yeah. Thought I would go to law school or do, one of, you know, some kind of profession like that for a while, and had a day job in New York City after college, but always kind of kept doing performance on the side. Like, I was attending classes at the American Dance Festival. I was doing small projects in New York City. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, I kind of want to make a go at this professionally. And Mm -hmm. so I decided to um, 
uh, quit my job in New York. Um, <laughs> in New York City, quitting yeah. a job. I quit. I had a job. This was like before the financial crisis. So okay. that was a pretty privileged moment of being like, I can quit my job. Um, yeah, for sure. And and then I, uh, but I, I, you know, had the privilege and the ability to go to Europe and try to um, try to see if I could make it professionally as a choreographer there. And I ended up staying for eight or nine years. No way. So yeah. you went kind of, was it on the whim? Were you just taking a shot in the dark? Well, like... I applied for like, um, kind of a residency fellowship in, uh, over one summer and, um, I got it. And so I, I went and then I basically told everybody that I was like, I just want to figure out a way to stay. Like mm-hmm. I've got a, enough money for two or three months and then I'll run out of money. And fortunately I found like a job super illegally in a project <laughs> um, first uh, in Germany, in the south of Germany as a dancer. And um, I, one thing, I built one thing on top of another from from working that in that job as a, as a dancer and eventually had a visa and was able to stay and met my wife there. Yeah. Wow. So you, oh, you met your wife. Okay, I was going to ask yeah. you how that happened. Was yeah. she part of the dance crew or how yeah. that happened? Yeah, she was. She was, uh, she was also a, a dancer in the same project and... and She's French, but she was living in Copenhagen at the time. We were both hired for this project in Germany, and we met doing that. So we were housemates and, you know, bottles of wine. Eventually, (laughs) we became a couple, and now we have a daughter. Oh, that is phenomenal. That's a beautiful story, man. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And what type of dance were you doing and studying? I'd call it contemporary dance. I mean, my background was in um, kind of modern dance, American modern dance and, and theater, and once I was sort of in Europe, it began uh, to move in the more experimental direction, doing mm. contemporary dance, doing installation work, doing contemporary theater and performance. Wow. Um, so, you know, like that, you know, dance is a pretty broad field. Yeah. And a lot of folks who aren't really invested in the field kind of have one or one or two images of it, like it's ballet or it's sort of modern dance. Exactly. Exactly. And my conception of dance is it's basically what it is, is it's movement with a particular kind of attention. Ooh, so it centers the body, but it can, it can be any number of things. Contemporary dance and contemporary performance can look like uh, installation. It can, it can use text. It can use media and film and all sorts of things. But it's sort of primarily centering the body. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's fun. Did you... Did, is what drawn you to it was the fact that you can really do installations. You can do kind of whatever you want with it. It's very free. Mm-hmm. That kind of drawn you to it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like, the experimental aspect of it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about some of the, I guess, some of your first, I guess, pieces that you've done, I guess, that you did maybe in Europe. Like, yeah. what went into it? What feelings? How were you able to, you know, get it from an idea to the actual mm. end result? Yeah. Um, well, I was so, man, like I, I kind of threw, th- once I was, when I was in Europe originally, I kind of threw everything that I thought about dance out the window. And then what I made at first for a while, I just made a whole string of really bad work. Um, cause I was like, I had all these like ideas and none of them really panned out the way I hoped. Um, but you know, I began to just play a lot with architecture and space on a very basic level. So I had this one piece where, um, I found these, two motors and I attached them with an incredibly long piece of string and I moved the string all the way around a white cube space. So it sort of looked like, you know, visual artists will know this artist named Fred Sandback who does all these like installations with string in a gallery. So I I kind of 
it was referencing a little bit like that string all through this gallery and then basically the dance performance where these two motors slowly drew in this string over time and what happens is the string unraveled and these different shapes were created and it would get tangled and then it would get untangled and there was all this drama and wow. people got so invested in like is the string gonna break are the motors going and it, you know it keeps going and i'm in the space running around just trying to facilitate the situation so i end up dancing but because i'm trying to facilitate these motors and string and so it that was a piece that was sort of like a really big um yeah an, an important one for me and, and i went on after that and i made a number of smaller pieces duets and trios that toured uh fairly extensively mostly in europe but, oh yeah. wow yeah. how was touring throughout europe was that a cool experience well the great thing i mean man like in in the field of dance in europe in a lot of your Euro western european countries there's a whole system set up to support artists and dancers in oh, a way it's wow. like a legitimate profession you know you say that you're a dancer and people are like they don't ask you what restaurant you work at because they're like, oh, you make a living from that. Wow. And so it's supported by, in many ways, by a lot of these states and, and there's a lot of situations set up. Um, so, you know, I was able to, to make a living from that. And, um, uh, but it was also a really transient profession because you're always moving between festivals and residencies. Yeah. And, you know, we had at that point, uh, 2000. 10 2011 this is uh, you know we had a young daughter and my partner is also a performer and a teacher and a choreographer dancer and so one of the other of us was always on tour moving to these oh, different places and so it's God. like it's a tr it's a transient lifestyle you're in hotels you're going back and forth here and there and um you can make a living but you know it's again it's, it doesn't feel rooted really. wow and that's yeah. obviously what brought you back to kind of yeah. durham Wow. Yeah. So yeah. was it hard to convince your partner <laughs> to, to move? Actually, she wanted to move. I was kind of like, I was, I was really like, I'm, when I left the U.S., I was like, I'm done with this place. I don't want to live in this country, you know. Right. W was in office. I was like, no. You know, and she was the one. She was like, I don't know. And so, she's not from the U.S., so she'd never lived here. She was like, Obama's president now. Maybe things are changing in some ways. Maybe we could live there. And I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and so, um, but what she fell in love with was the village of Saxbahal, mm. specifically. And she was like, I want to move there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of finally got around to it, and then we moved there in 2014. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's been a ride. Oh, to say my the goodness. least. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're back in the States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how were you able to find your grounding? Because you've been going forever. Yeah. So what was the next steps in, you know, figuring oh, yeah. your life out? Well, you know, once again, I sort of tossed, I didn't toss away the career I had because I had relationships, but um, I canceled a lot of everything that I had. And I basically got a job in a cafe for, mm. for a time being to just sort of land. And um, we were really fortunate to get to know some folks, Tom and Heather Lagarde in Saxapaha, who were like, hey, like we actually years ago formed a non-profit structure and we aren't doing anything with it and y'all have some ideas around wanting to do your art but also in a community focused way do you want to take this over you're like sure and knowing what i know now about running a non-profit i would never have said yes it's like, <laughs> it's so much involved yeah oh yeah no it's like i would have been like thank you but no thank you no you can um, have it <laughs> Yeah, so so we yeah, I mean they the culture mill is what it was called. It had a name, it had a legal structure, it had nothing else. Uh we took it over and we sort of trial by fire learned, you know, through doing 
Um, and eventually, we sort of did all sorts of stuff. We Somebody gave us a school bus with what? 44 seats. Wow. Um, we were like, we need money uh, for our nonprofit. And somebody said, I don't have money to give you, but I have a 44-seat school bus. So we took that and we created this program called Trust the Bus, where we got audiences on a school bus and we took them somewhere out into the countryside without telling them where they were going or what they were going to see. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there would be like a work of art, you know, like poems or a musician or uh, some sort of dance performance, like in a barn, in a cemetery, in a field. And then we'd bring them back. Um, and so we started with doing stuff like that and uh, grew the nonprofit, grew the projects, um, <clears throat> recentered again in our own work and... Uh, yeah, that's been the last seven years, I'd say. Oh, it's, my it's goodness. Work on that. That's a lot. And I visited the site today. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> yeah. You've done a lot of good work with that. Oh, Thank my you. goodness. There's a lot. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So how are we able to balance that? And also, you still want to choreograph and mm. perform. Yeah. So how are you juggling? Yeah. No, thanks. It's a good question. You know, at first we, we were like, we're going to do all the things for all the people. And then we realized that's a that's a road to burnout. Yes, it is. I've been, I've been there <laughs> right? before, Tommy. I know how yeah. that goes. Oh, yeah. No, it's so, you know, what, what we finally realized is, look, we need to center our own artistic interests. We're artists first and foremost. Like we're not administrators first. We're not, you know, like nothing's wrong with folks who do amazing, you know, administration and arts, you know, support, but we're artists. So we kind of recentered on on that's what we need to focus on but then we also sort of carry the philosophy that it's always possible when you have resources to share them also yeah. so you know we have a studio now in Saxbaha. when we're not using that for rehearsals we gift it to other artists or community um community centered uh events or folks it's never rented it's gifted we try to bring in collaborators from the community. We try to have artists and residents in our space. And a lot of our programs um, and projects that we do are like gifting resources out to other artists, but still what's driving it is our interest as artists yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that kind of allowed us to like sort of find that balance a little bit more. I think and still what we're tr still trying to, find a way to do is to like not say yes to every idea and every project that's a hard part as an artist yeah because you're obviously sure. you're living to create you want to create all the time and yeah you can't take it all no i know because <laughs> then everything just gets really just exhausted and it's oh yeah yeah the parent want to take a break and then you know a lot can mm. happen from that but that's yeah. really really awesome yeah so assembly has been it's it already exists right we just bring it to gps so tell us a little bit about that yeah so it's Assembly is iterative, which means that like it basically it there it's not like a fixed performance that goes from place to place. It changes depending on where it goes, oh, and there's wow. sort of a new version of it in each place. Um, if I back up a little bit yeah, though, yeah. Um, to set the ground for what assembly is, uh, we were basically commissioned in 2022. Well, 21, 22 mm -hmm. last season to create a performance for Carolina Performing Arts. It's the institution that's part of UNC Chapel Hill. Um, that's a performing arts institution. So Muriel and I both created a performance called Eclipse there. Oh, wow. And Eclipse, um, to, to sort of put it directly, is a piece that is working with 10 folks, uh, 10 different artists um, of different uh, mediums, and is basically using performance tools and restorative justice tools to engage the legacy of white supremacy that exists at UNC Chapel Hill and to really work into um, 
what it means for audiences and participants to feel that differently in, in, in our different bodies. Wow. So that was a big project that is kind of ongoing and resonating for three years, but we created the performance this past spring. So like that was a that was a big project and it was really a delving into the history of the university there uh, the way that that university and is built on the legacy of slavery and white supremacy and how that continues to inform also how um, money and wealth determines spaces of inclusion and exclusion at the university today. Yes. So. That was a big process, and um, in that process, I was trying to come to grips with how I relate to this work. Also, myself as like a white-bodied person, as a male-identifying person, you know, as the inheritor of all these legacies and privileges at this university and within this system. And um, coming out of that, I was really working to grapple with with all of that. And then at the same time. Um, I received a like a prompt, basically, mm. from a collaborator of mine who is based in Norway, which was sort of like a, a prompt, like a, an invitation to work, to create a solo. And she had all these questions uh, that I, and, and a lot of these questions that she posed to me um, around um, how, to, how to live in today's uh in today's world in climate catastrophe in systems of capitalism systems determined by white supremacy like a lot of those spoke to the 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 experience i had had and the questions i had with eclipse so out of those two things came assembly wow so what assembly is then is my own sort of grappling with those questions and what they turn into is um basically every place that assembly goes i do a a fair amount of research into the particular parcel of land where it takes place mm. and that parcel of land who owns it uh, who uh, has power over it in terms of ownership in terms of wealth in terms of the legal systems in that place um, and now and also going back historically oh, wow. um, and sort of tracing all of that and then bringing that into the moment of performance with the audience so it's, it's a bit like a lecture performance. There's a lot of text, a lot of me talking, but then there's a lot that, again, centers the body and asks people, instead of just knowing this intellectually, how, how does it, what does it mean to um, feel this and all of these systems that are in the room with us, in any building with us, on any piece of land with us? So, um, yeah, that's essentially... Assembly is a process of digging into that in different pieces of land, wherever it goes, um, and then me being the person that not only delivers that as a performance, but also implicates my own position in the middle of all the systems that are determining exactly all of that. And I was wondering, what mm-hmm. have you learned about yourself just yeah. through, this, <laughs> through this whole process of creating this piece of work? Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's said, a great you know, question. Being a white body and then, you know, yeah. talking about all these issues is like, yeah. you had to bring any anything out of you? Oh, yeah. Um I mean, what I've learned is how much, um, how much I, mm, how much I don't know, yeah. um, both literally and also like as a human, mm. like there's a lot of not knowing deeply in me as a human that is, um, 
Mm, there's there's been a lot of personal digging into ways in which all of these systems and this socialization that is that is in our land and in our systems and in our wealth systems are also in my body. Yeah. And there's so much um, that I have learned that I don't know about um, how to be outside of that or or yeah. And also at the same time. You know, I was speaking to a collaborator, um, wonderful theater artist in Durham named Monet Marshall, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the initial grappling was like, well, does it like, why do, why does anybody even need to hear from my voice right now? Oh, wow. Right. Like, and this was my question, like why, like there's so many other folks that need to be, um, centered uh, other than my voice grappling with this right now, you know, and Monet kind of reframed it and was like, yes. And, um, you know, your voice and folks that look like you are are still folks that hold a lot of power and what you have to say and what you have to to say about this is important also yes so i really appreciated that reframing because it it it, re, it reoriented me away from like i need to just disappear myself out of this to like all right what how can what what is there for me to say about this in a way that um can hold a space for others acknowledge that i'm centered in the in the act of performance because that's what performance is in that way but also like how can i do it in a way that holds space for us me and the audience as well so that's what i try to do yeah yeah i know it's a very accomplished thing to hit yeah man i don't even know (laughs) yeah yeah once you met when you worded it perfectly Mm -hmm. by the way that was just i kind of hit you with that off Mm -hmm. guard i was just i was curious (laughs) no no it's a great question yeah yeah Um, i mean but yeah there's there's just, I mean, I've learned a lot about myself and, and also the, my, my ha- a lot about my habits, um, deep habits that I'm like, whoa, I don't know about that. I don't know what, if I need that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy what kind of came out. I mean, a pandemic, pandemic was horrible, but yeah. a lot of people were able to, through the George Floyd and a bunch yeah. of other racial injustices, were able to really yeah. sit in the mirror and look at you know themselves and figure yeah. that out. And I'm glad you had this to kind of help you do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With assembly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's 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 that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> and my hope that like my hope is that the rendering of it, like my grappling with it, is of value for also folks who witness it too. Right, that's my hope. Exactly, know? exactly. And there's also a group of dancers with you during this, right? In assembly, I read. Not in this. Not in this. Um, one. No. So there's a in Eclipse. There was a bunch of dancers. Okay. Um, and there was a big group of ten, and we involved the audience. You know, I know that with North Carolina Dance Festival, they have a separate show with a bunch of dancers and performances on a different night. Okay. But with Assembly, it's just me. Just, this is literally just you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. I'm, I'm, so I want to take you to really, or what went into the movements even to Mm. creating this? Like, how were you Mm. able to choreograph yourself and make sure you were giving off the emotions you wanted to give off or make the audience feel what you feel? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question too. Like, um, what I basically was discerning. So I, I'm not working with like I think a lot of people have the image too that what the creation of dance is is like the choreography of a set of movements, and then that is just what um, you know you, you kind of write it and then you go and do it, and that is one part of it. Um, I work a lot in improvisation, okay. so making movements nice. up on the spot. Yeah, um, and I work even more in scores. So if you imagine like a musical score is something that the pianist sits down and they might play any number of ways. For me, scores and dance are like a series of um, instructions or a map, but I might do it any number of ways. Mm-hmm. So so that's sort of like how I'm working with movement. And then basically what I discerned was um, 
there's there's ways in which my body has a whole series of ways of like presenting itself as a performer that I can hook into. It's and it's really like a body that knows and can ap- actually take power in a space and control a space through this kind of you know virtuosity movement and like forms of dance. And then there's also all sorts of other movements, you know, trembling, um, Ooh, yeah. dissolving, disintegrating movements where I feel vulnerability and uncertainty. Mm. That and 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 that I wanted to work between those two poles, right? The poles of like I can be here and can create movement in space that that is sort of you know feels like oh like that feels like a dancer in the space, and then others where it's like. Oh, there's gaps, there's vulnerabilities, there's uncertainties, there's there's um, destruction and kind of and crumbling away. Wow. Because yeah. you mentioned the pandemic and like that was the incredibly an important experience for me of just like, I don't know, I just like don't know, I don't know what to do with it. And just like sitting in that, like not like solving things, not like I'm going to now do this thing. I know like, and the physicality also of that feeling of like, I just don't know right now. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and we're just going to be with that. There was a lot of I don't know during the pandemic. Man. I'm telling you. Oh, man. I never in a million years would have thought would have saw that coming. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, man. That's actually a good kind of segue. I'm curious. How mm. were you able to exist and uh, do this over the pandemic? Like, where I was a nonprofit and everything. Well, so, um, like, we definitely... We, we occupied, we had, because of the fact that we had a nonprofit structure of a certain size, and we were able to benefit from a lot of systems in place that a lot of artists and folks didn't. So mm. like a lot of artists that depended on gigs and gig economies, I mean, were totally out of luck. Yeah. We had set things up so that um, we had invested in writing a lot of grants, getting you know, a lot of the money that we had sort of set up for our projects were from National Endowment for the Arts, North Carolina Arts Council, some foundations. Um, and so a lot of those during the pandemic, they actually pivoted and said to artists and organizations that they had relationships with, look, here's some operating money to just keep you afloat. Yeah. So we were able to benefit from that during the pandemic Good. and Good. just sort of basically... Um, survive through it yeah. and still have enough to eat, enough to pay our rent. Um, and so, you know, that was a fortunate that we were able to be in that position and that those those structures did those things too. And not, unfortunately, our whole system, not our, it's set up, it's not set up for, for people to benefit in that way. And it, it should be, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, uh, but we were able to weather the pandemic because of that reason. You know, our, nom- our, our structure size of Culture Mill it's not so big that you know we've got a ton of overhead, but it's big enough that we were eligible for for some of that um, relief funding. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, good yeah, to yeah. hear. I'm glad you were. Yeah, able to keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. So, where else has assembly gone? So it first was in um, Stavanger, Norway, wow. um, because the main commissioning uh, part for that. For, the, for that, and again, I'll say that, like Assembly, there's five other solos from five artists around the world that also respond to these questions. Yes. Um, one's from Norway, one's from France, one Turkey, one's from South Africa, and one's from Brazil. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> so, like, it's it's a whole thing. And every person is, is creating a solo about what they've been grappling with in their particular social conditions. Oh, wow. So, I'm the only one 
right now uh, dealing with um, you know my context in the U.S. But these other folks from other countries. So first, it happened in Stavanger, Norway, and then it will go back first to Scandinavia, and then possibly to Germany, and then we're working on as well um, potentially Brazil and South Africa. Oh my goodness. Um, but it, that's when all six of the solos happen, sort of next to one another. Oh my yeah. god! And it take, it's like a six-hour thing that takes two nights to do. So <laughs> it's like a, it's a it's big, epic. Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> and you go from one to the other. You know, I mean, the 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 the, the guy Tammy um, Hector, who's who's a guy from South Africa. You know, he's like he he talks about some serious stuff, like of like living and working, growing up in the townships there, and like. And you, you know, then you move to person Felice in Turkey and talking about what she's talking about and folks of different levels of like privilege and access in different countries. But man, it, when you, when you see different, these different things, it's interesting how common trends emerge over different national and social and cultural, um, different contexts. And also, um, you know, there's threads that are similar and, and the differences are also really striking too. Oh so it'll go, it'll go back, it'll go to Oslo in November, but each time I do assembly, I do a whole new set of research on the on the place and the land and the theater where it takes place. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's really insane. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like way too much work for. It's, like, it's so much work actually. Yeah. Yeah. You, you handling it well, you know what I'm saying? Thanks, and thanks. it's in Greensboro. It's happening this weekend. Yes. Yes. How exciting is that? What, what do you, what's your feelings towards it? I really am really happy to be um, invited by North Carolina Dance Festival to do it here. And, and also, um, you know, Greensboro Project Space Gallery, like yes. um, really cool Caitlin and Vania and like all those folks and Anne are wonderful. And um, yeah, man, I mean, Greensboro also has got a history and, sure. and um, many histories. And so I am talking about the one on the exact corner where the Dixie building uh, stands, yeah. but you know that speaks about a lot more than that one corner. But that's what I what I talk about in the show. Wow! Um, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. That's so yeah. cool. And they hit me up about it. And I actually interviewed Caitlin last week mm. on on this on this on this uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> also oh, cool. an amazing person as well. I'm sure she's you a, she's awesome. Insane. Yeah. What she's doing is insane as it's well. Really so cool. I love it. I love that because of the dance project. I've, 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 I've grown an appreciation towards dancing. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's something I think is very, uh, I won't say underappreciated, but it's not as, is under, under, um, what's the word? Not undervalued. Yeah, this but is, it, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like... To the uh, masses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, I will say this, too, to, like, a lot of folks who are, like, they think they know what dance is, like, it's so, it can be so refreshing to just come with actually the open mind of being like, all I know is a thing will happen. Yes. And like, I will experience that thing. And then I may not be able to know exactly what that means, you know, immediately. But like, just to be open to that, especially with dance can be, it's, it can be such a wide field of like what that experience can be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I hope people, you know, listening who maybe aren't too familiar with dance, well, mm -hmm. just kind of look into it, do their own research. There's yeah. a lot of history involved in dance. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. wow. It's amazing. Yeah. But yes, it's happening this week. You're doing it the 6th and the 7th. 6th and the 7th, and it's really small. Only about 30 folks fit into the space there at GPS. Oh, so really? oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really small. Um, yep, 6th and the 7th, 7 p.m., and um, yeah, I think that... Uh, 
think that there's still some tickets available. Um, yeah. Although I know they've been selling, but yeah, that's when Absolutely. we're doing it. It's happening. You can it see Tommy happening. live. Yes. yes. I should be able to make it Friday because uh, there's cool. a festival happening this weekend too. Uh, yeah. But it's fine. Yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things happening right now, but it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I should be able to make that. You know, I saw awesome. tickets were on there on, on the site. So, yes, my friend, this is so cool. Thank you for coming kind of last yeah. minute. <laughs> Totally. Oh, I wanted to say that the, that the installation that's part of it is a is an artist named Liam Alzafari. So okay. that's part of Assembly 2. There's an installation to see as well. And that's who that artist is. <clears throat> so oh, yes. just to, to know. Awesome. And yeah. are you in the... What room are you in? Because there's three different rooms. So It, it kind of progresses through all of all, them. All of them? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. starts in starts in the gallery and starts in the installation and, and kind of goes from there. Yo, that's going to be yeah. so cool. Yes. Tommy, thank you so much for this. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. So do you have any social media we can I can plug? Yeah. Um, so Insta for Culture Mill is at uh, Culture Mill NC. Okay. Um, and, you know, I would say that's the main social to follow. And then the website, culturemill.org. Awesome. I'll plug those in. And if you, I tell everyone, I can't ask Tommy everything. We'll be here for 500 hours. <laughs> so if you have any questions, please yeah. hit those pages up and uh, Tommy will help you out. On that, um, and also with a culture mill, mm-hmm. say you do residencies. So how yeah. does that work with people who are interested? Um, <clears throat> what we do is, uh, so we have what's called an open space policy. So if there's an artist that is looking for space to use um, for a period of time, we uh, make our space available outside of the times when we are when we are using it for rehearsal. So a lot of evenings, a lot of weekends, we can make space. Um, also in the summer during certain times, we can make space. Uh, if we invite for a residency, we always pay artists. Oh, wow. We only do that um, when we have the funds to be able to invite uh, for a residency. When we don't, we just say, look, we have the resources. If it's valuable to you and you need space, um, on our website, there's an amazing person named Ion Felix who um, coordinates all of that. Their email is on the website. If you send them an email and say, hey, I'm looking for space, I just want to... Um, just want to be there like it's not like you know for whatever you need as a human to advance your creative process um it's a small studio space in saxapaha but we try to make it available as we can yes absolutely yeah. shout out to you tommy you're doing some great work thank you that's so cool um yes yeah, so hey tommy if you have any questions but other than that we're good to go awesome thank yes, you so, so much absolutely thank you thank you for listening guys and i'll see you on the next episode the free pizza podcast we are on spotify itunes soundcloud just go on the google app store go on everywhere check us out on instagram facebook myspace live journal twitter we tweet we'll do smokes niggles whatever y'all need thank y'all so much have a good night